Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. I told you yesterday I was the crazy person that just kept running into the brick wall, picking the Philadelphia Eagles, despite them telling me for five weeks that they were a really bad football team. I was going to select them to win anyway. Wes, I finished one and five in wild card weekend. (laughs) How about a one and five record? Because I do sports radio and I'm an expert on football. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. But I just knew that Philly season, I had a pretty good hunch it was going to come to an end. I enjoyed every single second of it. I watched it till the bitter end for Philly fans, but a happy ending uh, for me watching that Sirianni, get him out of here, Kelsey, get him out of here. I don't care if you're retiring. If you put that eagle green on, you get no love over here. That was sad. So let's get you out of here. Uh, Yeah, they lose. The Philadelphia Eagles lose last night 32-9 to against Panthers division rival Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Baker Mayfield moves on. To the second round of the NFL playoffs, moves on to the divisional round. It's crazy. Tampa Bay and Detroit going at it for a spot in the NFC Conference Championship against perhaps the San Francisco 49ers, but we're just taking it a game at a time. One game at a time, baby. That's what we're taking it as. Are apparently. you, uh, <clears throat> you know, you giving Baker credit or what? Yeah. What are we? Yes. What are we yes. Doing here? Yes. All right. The, the the credit that you get mad at, this is when you have him fifth and I have him sixth. Oh, he hates not, Baker Mayfield. No, 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 no. You don't want to You give didn't me even any have credit. him involved. You had him in the last one, though, I right? did. I did. Him, yeah. Yeah. I had him in the second, the last game that they played. Yeah. I, I forget where I had him. He was phenomenal last night. You and I actually agreed i think you and i had baker in the exact same spot if i'm not mistaken it was something like that i think i had him like five four five something like that so if i'm disrespecting him you're disrespecting him four five because i had him in the exact same spot (laughs) but no baker mayfield and look good last night by the way yeah he really did what what can you say it's why a lot of people are starting to focus a little more on dave canales the offensive coordinator for a possible head coaching gig here in carolina and west it only continues the theme that we had over the weekend for wild card weekend, lots of smart minds are delivering in the postseason. Yep. The only ones that underwhelmed it was the Miami Dolphins, but also like you you could I don't want to say you excuse it. The weather is going to affect the way that you call that, even though it still wasn't good. Like if you are a run generator, then call good enough runs and enough runs anyway. And he didn't do that. But everybody else that was getting a lot of praise for having this innovative offense and delivering on a big scale. It just continued last night watching what Dave Canales did and also Joe Brady. Yeah. Joe Brady did it too with Buffalo. The the thing that they did was it mainly just played to their strengths. And now it's a thing. They didn't get in and they didn't try to get cute. They didn't try to change it up. They didn't alter their game plan for weather conditions. They got there and did what got them to the playoffs in the first place. And that's what you have to do. And it's the coaches that get there and they get the cold feet and they start to overthink and 
want to call different things and knowing all these wrinkles. And, yeah, you got to throw in a couple of wrinkles so you're not completely predictable. But the coaches that called to their team strengths and what they had been good at all season are the ones that have been successful. All right, let's do it. Let's continue to talk about it. We love talking NFL playoff football. We had a couple of other games yesterday that we can break down and try to find the local angle on. Mr. Bus Driver's here, too. Josh Fitty Marlowe. Go ahead, pull up to the scene, open up the doors, Fitty. Let's get off the bus. We look good. Put Siriana out on the side of the road while we drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, weird collapse. I've never seen a team go to what I thought was the best squad in the NFC, especially when San Francisco lost three straight. Mm-hmm. Then it would pretty clearly at that time belonged to Philadelphia. And then the last six weeks, they were terrible. Their defense is absolutely terrible with decent names by the way it's not like they're so crazy hurt they lost some guys from last year but my god james bradbury can't make a tackle can't cover Bayard, who they trade for you really thought that would help them on the back end he's not taking the right angles if you watch the manning cast and hear what ray lewis is saying as a third time guest he is baffled ray lewis is baffled at what philadelphia was doing and so tampa bay moves on giving credit to baker mayfield going for 337 three touchdowns zero interceptions making sure all the hot names get involved i mean even mike evans only had three receptions but went for 48 yards chris godwin caught a touchdown in this game got david moore and trey palmer involved on deep shots so you have baker mayfield moving on and west you have joe brady moving on too i does this continue a theme does it feel like it's a little too much as Panthers fans, to watch a lot of these other guys go somewhere else for success because we're seeing that a decent amount. And even the ones that weren't here with this franchise, you even go to Houston, and that feels the most painful because of all of the new they have that felt like that could have been our new, and instead they're experiencing success uh, success somewhere else. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think when it comes to Baker, I mean, that was hard to predict. I know I give you a hard time about giving Baker credit, but nobody thought he was going to go to Tampa and do what he did here. I thought he was going to come in there to compete with Kyle Trapp. And <laughs> yeah, that, he did have that Yeah, and I thought that he would have a pedestrian season. I didn't think. I thought it was going to be up and down. He'd be getting benched one week, started the next week. And that's how I thought it was going to go. So nobody saw this coming. But it just shows, you know, his resilience. And it shows him getting put into the right system. Because you forget, they had five or six drops last night. Baker's numbers could have been outrageous. Another I touchdown. Mean, yeah, Kane Mike Otten Evans had the touchdown early in the game that was dropped. I mean, he could have had four-plus. And, and four or five touchdowns uh, had these guys not dropped as many passes as they did. But I think, though, you know, it's tough because when all of these guys, whether it was coaches or players who, or whomever it may be, uh, were in Carolina, some of them did do well, like the Hassan Reddicks of the world. But you see, even he took a step back this season. He wasn't nearly as good as he was uh, the previous year. And so I think with Baker Mayfield, in all seriousness, there's no sweat off Carolina's back. Nobody could have seen uh, this scenario coming or else he would have still been here and they still would have been trying to build something around him. But last night, he certainly, uh, in this season, I feel like he's looked a lot like the number one uh, overall pick that he was coming out. Yeah, I thought he was up and down, especially until we got to maybe we even go with the same measurement the last six weeks. And then it was all ascension. Then Baker Mayfield, it was maybe up at first, down a little bit. 
then the ascension took off once more and stayed consistent. Here we are doing it again in the postseason where you're right. I mean, the first touchdown that was dropped was Kate Otten where they had to settle for the field goal. But even that one should have been caught. And that yeah. was a tough throw. Seam where you had to lead Otten just enough on the left and he didn't bring it in. No, Baker Mayfield is balling. And you know what? Good for him because it didn't go well here in Carolina. It didn't go well enough in L.A. for the Rams to want to keep him even on a backup basis and even Baker wanted to go and compete for another starting job he would never have won that from Matthew Stafford so if we see Philly collapse with nine points the tush push is stopped Wes Bryant oh I loved that <laughs> I know oh, you did. I loved it so you see Baker balling Dave Canales it's the second QB that he is at least somewhat credited for helping Geno Smith in Seattle, mm -hmm. career uplifting. Same thing with here with Baker and also Philadelphia going down. Like, does this do anything in the way of, hey, now we know for sure we need to hire an offensive mind because of all of the success the offensive minds have had in the postseason? Well, I think, too, in Philadelphia is an example because, you know, Shane Steichen and they lost him and what that did to their offense as far as the rhythm and the way that they call the plays because I thought Trey Aikman had a great point last night when he talked about how there's an art to play calling and he was saying how, you know, Philly may be running a lot of the same things that they did, but it was just a different flow, a different... Uh, tempo to the way that they called the plays and I think Philly's offense suffered uh, because of that and then you look at Canales and, and what he's been able to do reclaiming uh, getting a reclamation project in Baker Mayfield and making the most of that I think that's the biggest thing that he earned himself as far as looks from other teams last night is they're like hey you know look what he did with this guy that everybody counted out nobody thought Baker Mayfield was capable of doing something like this if, if I would have told you Walker Mail before the season that the Buccaneers are going to get to the wild card and Baker Mayfield is going to throw for 337 and three touchdowns, you would say, Wes, uh, I, I think I might need to find another host if you're going to be talking like this. I just need, I just would have needed you to get tested. That's right. about it. <laughs> that's just what I'm saying. So, drug tested. Yeah, we'll so, so I think that that's tremendous when you look at it and you say, well, you know, you just beg the question, can he do this with Bryce? Yeah, I wouldn't have kicked you off, Wes. I would have said my, my guy needs help. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to leave you out on the street here like you're trying to do with Nick Sirianni. You just need help. That's fine. Yeah, leave no. him on the side of the road for the buzzer. Well, you know, and, and I don't think that this was evidence of purely going after an offensive mind. You could actually argue the exact opposite with how terrible the defense has been for Philly in yeah, the last and, five weeks. Yeah, and really weeks. quick to clarify, I was yeah. just going to say, too, to your point about, you know, the offensive coaches leaving. So you make that oh, yeah. guy your head coach so you don't lose him, so you don't go through what Philadelphia's offense went through this year. Oh, yeah. No, I know what you were saying. Yeah, yeah that, that's been something I've been real fearful of, especially with a QB that I'm desperate to have stability for. Because already in just one year's worth of time in the NFL, you don't have any kind of stability. I imagine you're going to lose your offensive coordinator. Thomas Brown was uh, at least requested for an interview for the head coaching position, I believe, of the Tennessee Titans yesterday. It's his third straight year getting a head coaching interview. So Thomas Brown, while I don't expect him to be a head coach because this pool is really deep, Thomas Brown, I don't expect to be here in Carolina. I don't know if this game was evidence of that just because Philadelphia's defense was so bad. You might even say, hey, th when the defense is bad, too, it'll also lose you a lot of football games. But here's my question, too. Like, I, I put this out on Twitter, you know, promoting the show. Nick Sirianni could be fired. Mm -hmm. I was betting against it that he didn't want to take it. But when you get beat down, 
Yeah, like that's always going to allow the door to be open on your firing. When you get beat down in a game that meaningful, then the door's always going to be open. So we could see in the next couple of days Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni out there on the open market. On top of Bill Belichick, Wes, even on top of maybe even a Mike Tomlin Uh who leaves the podium after the question is broached about there only being one year left on his contract. So you have those four guys who have all had success and all appeared in Super Bowls unless and and even Mike McCarthy has one. It's just with a different team, not to mention all of these smart candidates. Wes, I've said this a few times. It feels like they're going to fall backwards at least into a head coaching hire with a high approval rating. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like there are a lot of good candidates. Even if you don't get plan A through C, you're going to get a good one either anyway because the pool is so damn good. It is. You are very correct about that because there are a lot of candidates coming into the search we didn't think that would be there. And so you do, like you said, you look at guys who have had three two to three, four consecutive seasons of winning football, and now they're going to be potentially uh, on the chopping block. But I think the thing you got to look at is why are these teams firing them? What's going on? There's always more to the story than what we think. And so with some of these coaches, because I I had started reading something about Brable um, as far as the stuff that was going on with the GM and him and Carthon and different things like that that led to his firing. It's never just on the surface, oh, they lost his game and now they're going to get rid of him. There's always going to be some rhyme or reason. And I think the, the key for a franchise is to get to the bottom of that and figure out if that candidate is going to be good, because there's a reason that these teams fell off. There's a reason the Eagles lost six out of seven uh, to finish their season. Well, and I think even with the Titans, we've already heard about the, you want your front office and your head coach aligned, and that wasn't necessarily the case. And remember, Tennessee, they're quick to get get rid of you too. And that's why I don't know how desirable that job is. Even if we just ignore the personnel standpoint. If even if you love Will Levis, remember how Mike Vrabel got that job? Mm-hmm. It's because Mike Malarkey was fired after a playoff appearance. I believe a playoff win. He was fired. And then they move on. And then so here's Mike Vrabel after having four straight playoff appearances, two bad years, but also two GMs. You trade A.J. Brown, which even if A.J. Brown, you don't love his attitude with Philadelphia, still huge part of their success last year. Mm-hmm. The 10 wins that they had this season. For Tennessee, A.J. Brown would have been great for Will Levis, and they trade him. Vrabel was not a fan of that. So it just feels like there was just not alignment all the way from what you want your franchise to be at the higher-ups. We'll see what Carolina decides to do, but there's going to be a lot of candidates out there to choose from to be your next head coach. And he's going to have to fix Bryce Young and this entire team. Just how damaged is Bryce Young? What's the most important lesson for Bryce to learn and take away from this past season? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break, and you can text us, 704-570-9610. Wesson Walker, off and rolling. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. History on this show. We got to see Granny Pat in the studio. How about Granny? Nice little break right there. Oh, she came through as vibrant as ever. Granny Pat got to visit us at the Planet Kia Studios, not just on the text line. Mm-hmm. She was happy to come in. We were happy to see her as well. And you know exactly what happened immediately upon her entering the studio? Let us know. On Fitty's head. That's right. <laughs> she was. <laughs> she wanted to make sure that Fitty was responding to, I guess, her text messages. Uh, tell us what's going on here, Fitty, because I didn't realize this. But Granny Pat says that she sends you... Uh, single women pictures, information, and she tries to get you off the horse to make, or on the horse, I should say, to make sure that you're out here actually doing what you can to get a date. And Granny Pat's telling us that you're not responding to her in this way. Is that correct? No, look, so yesterday she sent me a picture on the text line of a very attractive bartender at uh, a Hickory Tavern location. Okay. And I just (laughs) simply asked Granny, what do you want me to do with said information? She simply replied with one word, single. <laughs> no, she knows what it is. So, you know, and look, I, I appreciate the help. Um, it's more help than you or Wes have ever offered me. But uh, it's like I told her, we can go out, we can go meet said woman. But, um, you know, there needs to be a little bit more than just a picture and a single word to get me. How does she know? Does she go to these places and talk to these women? So then she finds out their background and then reports back to you. Well, she was like, you know, like, we can go have a couple of beers, tell her that you run a show. I told her it might sound better if you tell her that I host the show. Mm-hmm. Um, which well, running I, a show, though, you, you don't like running the show. I mean, hosting sounds a little better. Okay. You know, and I, I think y'all would be willing to seed the host title to help me find love. But right? you have other shows. All right, I mean, I host a show, host a podcast. Yeah. Just tell her I'm the station. I program FNZ from 6A to 6B. I would would just love to see you approach her with that kind of confidence because I know if you were in front of her, that type of confidence would not be present. If you can keep that same energy as the kids say, keep that same energy, you might be able to get a date, Fitty. You just, uh, you underestimate me, Wes, when I'm in the ring. Well, I've seen it firsthand. Yeah, we've seen it firsthand. So, you know, I can only go by what my eyes tell me. But if you keep that type of confidence right there, I mean, we we might be able to do something. Look, I I can see it. It's it's not like I'm crazy surprised, but it does feel interesting to point out that the grannies in our lives are the ones that are trying the hardest to get Fitty a date, whether yeah. it be Fitty's blood-related mama yes. or Granny Pat, who is a P1 and we love her on the show. Right. It feels like, yes, we've tried very hard. Plenty of people have tried very hard. Don't you even give us I, I Fitty? It gets me mad. Like, this is even show mad. I get real mad when you give me that look. I know Wes feels the same way. Yeah. We've tried, but it does feel like Granny Pat and Mama are out here willing to experience you trying or attempting to get a date. I would love to see. I want this to be reality, Wes. Okay. I want Fitty and Granny Pat to go to a bar, mm-hmm. Hickory Tavern, if that is the bar in question, and I would love to see them interact 
with said potential date for about an hour and a half or so. That would be must-see TV. It would be great. I'm down. I told her I was like, I told her, Granny, if you want to go, we can set up a time, a date. Like, it's not like I'm not against making it happen. Y'all make it out like I just don't want to try to date. Like, yeah, I lock myself up in my house on Saturdays to watch (laughs) college football, college basketball, because the job demands that to be able to talk it as expertisely as I do, as I just messed up Mm. that word there. Mm. But like, you know, if if if, if we want to make this happen, I'm a Hickory Tavern guy. I like beer. I like women. We yeah. can make it happen. They got TVs. I'm just not missing and, a and Carolina game. I mean, like game. I said, you got a wing woman right there with you, so you don't even have to break the ice. Granny Pat is going to break the ice for you. So you got everything laid out right there to make an attempt. Although, Wes, I feel like I need you there because you, as much as anybody here at the station, when, when we bring guests on, uh-huh. you you deliver a great introduction. So you want me to give you an intro before you – I'll do it, too. I would I would have it on a piece of paper and I would give you a fire intro before you met her. All right, you can't so, get the date after that. I don't know what you know what's going on in the world. All right, no. So I I know Mac and Bone have taken this very seriously. The same thing except for Flounder trying to find him a date, and so now we have people writing in Stephanie on the text line. How old is Fitty? And we we already got people inquiring about information. Fiddy is 27 years old. A young, spry, handsome 27 years old <laughs> is one Josh Fiddy Marlowe. 980 just giving us some advice. Don't try to pick her up while she's working. I can agree with that. She's got a job to do. I can yeah. understand. Maybe you make a, you know, whatever, right? Maybe you can show some interest. But I definitely feel trying to respect her while she is doing her work uh, 100%. So we'll see. I just want Granny Pat and Fiddy to try to figure out how they can make this work. And even an attempt is something I would love to see what happens. Yes. Would love to see it. All right, let's move on. Let's make I guess an we attempt can, at talking about the Panthers. We can make that attempt. Uh, what kind of attempt are they going to make in order to help Bryce Young, whether it be hiring one of these coaches that are impressive, impressive resumes with the team they might get fired from. Sirianni, look, you win double-digit games, two straight playoff appearances, including one Super Bowl appearance, helping Jalen Hurts along the way. Like Sirianni has done, I would still say, a good job with that team. Maybe not this year, especially at the back half, but Sirianni's still impressive run. Mike McCarthy, as much as I question the hell out of his play calling, 12 wins is impressive. Mike Tomlin, not having a losing season, if he's gone from Pittsburgh, you're going to have a lot of those guys that I would be just fine being the head coach here in Carolina. Do you think that they can help Bryce Young, some of these retreads? And just how damaged do you think Bryce Young is after a bad first season as the number one overall pick? Um, You know, I think he's a little damaged from the sacks. And then he had to deal with a lot of stuff. I mean, you have to deal with the psychology of do you believe how much of a role do you believe you played in your coach getting fired? Uh, And so I think that for Bryce, he went through – enough this season more than guys go through in four, five, six seasons, maybe even their whole careers. And so I think for Bryce, the biggest thing that he has to learn is just that the NFL is, is a week to week league, because I'm sure that as I've said from as, as uh, successful as he was in high school and college, you know, every week the narratives would be around, you know, how can the team better serve him, which that's part of the narrative here, but it's always been, you know, can they win the championship? Can they compete for a championship and, and things of that nature? That's what he's dealt with up until this point. I just think this year he got a, a harsh reality check. And I think he thought that that would probably be the case being a rookie, but also the narrative 
coming into the Panthers that this was a team that was right there for the division the year before, and he was going to be the guy to come in and be the missing piece, and off they would go. And I think he probably thought that as well. And then once he got into the regular season, he saw how fast things can go south in the NFL, just like we just talked about the, the team we just saw, the Philadelphia Eagles last year, 70 sacks, burying everybody. Nobody can stop them. Look, this year, defense isn't a shell of what they were the year before. Offense wasn't a shell of what they were the year before. So this is definitely a week-to-week, year-to-year league, and I think Bryce has uh, definitely gotten a big-time wake-up call in those regards. All right, so the other thing is, I having Sam Monson on last week, he talked about how the tape before this year still matters. Watching Bryce Young at Alabama, what he was able to accomplish with the Crimson Tide still matters, despite now having a bad year, his first year in the NFL. So did we get to see the real Bryce Young this season? Jake DeLome joined Kyle Bailey and said he didn't think so. The biggest thing with Bryce, and I'm not trying to you know, look for excuses, I don't know if we truly saw the real Bryce Young this year, to be quite honest. We had some deficiencies. We had some, some, so many injuries, especially at the offensive line. And then, in essence, three different play callers. Uh, it just losing your head coach during the course of the season. And, and certainly, I, I think receiver-wise, I, I think we'll, you'll see some different receivers on the football team, I would assume, next year to help Adam Thielen and things of that nature. But, um, listen, I, I'm not going to put any words saying, yes, you're going to see that, but you're going to see a much more – uh, maybe relaxed quarterback next year. And I say relaxed because I can only imagine what he went through, being sacked, cl- sacked close to 60 times this year and um, just a rough year all around. What do you make of Jake's comments? Um, well, I do think we did see some of the real Bryce Young because we saw the Bryce Young and what it looks like when things aren't ideal. And I think that's one of the things I talk about with quarterbacks, whether you're a lemonade quarterback or not. Can you just take the lemons that are given and make a nice, refreshing drink, or can you not do anything with them? Do you need to be insulated with talent? I think we saw this year that Bryce, obviously it was pretty bare bones on this offense outside of one or two things. But he's a guy that's going to need some insulation. Like, this is a guy that's going to need uh, a, a fair amount of talent around him for you to see him at his best. So, I think we saw the Bryce Young that you'll see when the chips are down. I, th- I think we saw that when, when everything is uh, chaotic around him. I think that's a version of him that we saw this year. But hopefully he takes that and is able to improve upon it. And when they get the requisite uh, weapons around him, you know, we can we can see a, a much more improved Bryce Young. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of th- this is the, the hard part of this conversation because the lemonade quarterback, you know, how, how much can you give him something like did he get lemons to make lemonade? Or did he? Well, they get, were a little warped and. I was about to say. Been sitting there a little bit. I did he even have something <laughs> that you can make a tasty treat? Yeah. Like, I don't even know if you had that this year. The offensive line certainly did not play like that. Think about all the things working against him, right? It, it's not to absolve him. It's just, it's a fact. Coaching wasn't good. Offensive line wasn't good. They were injury ridden all across the interior. Whether it be Austin Corbett, Brady Christensen. Chandler Savala, who wasn't even good anyway. Cade Mays. And how many combinations did they have? It, it almost got to 10 by the end of the season. The different guard combinations. On top of your blind side, not living up to a sixth overall pick. Having the fourth most amount of pressures allowed at the left tackle position. I think according to PFF. 
Think about all of the things working against him. So, if you get past coaching being a problem, and this is on a play-to-play basis, by the way. If you get past coaching, and you also get past a leaky offensive line, great. Now you have to throw to Adam Thielen probably within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Do you want to look deep? you want to try to get a lot on this play? Too bad. DJ Chark doesn't have separation, and if he does, he might just drop it. You want to go to Mingo? Mingo's running out of bounds like he did in week two instead of scoring the touchdown, which looked like it could have happened. There were just so many things that had to go right, which means your margin for error, I don't want to say it's slim. It's none. You don't have any. Zero. That's why I can understand why Jake DeLome is telling you we didn't see the real Bryce Young here. Pretty clearly, you have to take C.J. Stroud if we want to do the comparison thing. C.J. Stroud was excellent. He had better pieces. He also was amazing himself. We can watch C.J. Stroud play and say, oh, okay, yeah, that dude is special. Doesn't matter if he has good wide receivers, offensive line, better left tackle, doesn't matter. C.J. Stroud is really good. Bryce Young just needs some pieces here in order to help him out. Now, I think when you talk about just how ruined it is for Bryce, that's why you got to get this higher right. Because I do think Bryce Young can bounce back from a bad first year, Wes. What I think it's going to be a lot harder to do here in Carolina, maybe he goes and he experiences experiences success elsewhere. But if you have two years of lackluster play from Bryce, that's when it's going to be really hard to bounce back from with this organization. Oh, no question about it. And I think for Bryce Young, it's not going to take uh, people long to identify what's going on, especially if they go out uh, and make some of those upgrades. I'm not saying you have to come back with a Pro Bowl roster, but just saying that you will have to come back with some guys that you can look at and not – uh, it, it takes away the ability for uh, any Bryce Young apologist to make excuses for him. That's what I'm saying. If you come back with some decent receivers next year, the offensive line's a little bit improved. You're like, all right, let's see, let's see what you got now. You got a little bit better things to work with than what you had before. And if you're still not seeing what you want to see, then yeah, I think that that is a uh, it's a very bad sign. It's going to be a very disheartening sign um, that he's not the guy. And unfortunately like we've been talking about with what C.J. Stroud is doing down in Houston, uh, that that ramps up the pressure even more uh, to be able to perform because right now, for whether it's unfair or not, the Panthers look like a laughing stock because they did not pick C.J. Stroud. A lot of these fans aren't willing to look at nuance or willing to look at things that you see executives and others saying, I mean, and we'll talk about it, but I mean, Boomer Sison just the other day ripped the Panthers. It was like, what were they looking at when they picked Stroud over him? So, uh, you know, that that's a huge. I wonder how strong he was pre-draft. Maybe he was. I just maybe, I would like maybe to know so, that. Because I, I remember distinctly, the only guy that I could remember off the top of my head that was really staunch for C.J. Stroud was Lewis Riddick. Lewis Riddick was. He was. Uh, was he uh, was. C.J. Stroud. And he's guy, letting you know about it now. Look, yeah. Yeah, that's a victory lap. Okay, yeah, but it's like you. a lot of, uh, but there are a lot of people who, you know, are looking at the Panthers right now as far as it being a big mistake. So for Bryce, I think the pressure's on. I disagree with Jake there. I don't think there's no such thing as him coming in next year and he's going to be more relaxed. No, that that, that anxiety's going to ratchet up because yeah. the Is last it? couple of performances we saw from you, your offense didn't score a point. So people want to see points on the board. They want to see that you look good enough for them to feel good about watching seven down in Houston take his team through the playoffs. Well, and, and does... It, do you get more relaxed just because you feel safe behind the offensive line, right? I mean, the pressure can go up and you can feel more relaxed because you're not running for your life anymore. Maybe, just maybe you have two seconds to throw the football. Two and a half, I think, is about average. Maybe it's more. 
Maybe two and a half is a little more than average, but I, I think that's about the mark we look at when we figure out exactly how fast you're getting rid of the football. And if you have just two seconds, then great. That'd be more than what you had this year, seemingly so. Maybe that's how he gets more relaxed. I also want to read this conversation, the back and forth between Greg Olson and Dan Orlovsky on Twitter, because Greg Olson tweeted this out yesterday during the Philadelphia Eagles-Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, and you would think it was about Philadelphia's offense. Greg said, if you don't or can't put your QB under center on early downs in the NFL, you're making your quarterback's life very difficult. Dan Orlovsky responded, everyone's life. It's my biggest pet peeve in the NFL right now. Greg, Ol- uh, Greg Olson said, it drives me insane every week. It's not a mystery. The young QBs who broke out this year, Stroud, Jordan Love, etc., all play in the same system. Mina Kimes, not Lenny, Mina Kimes quote tweets this and says, CJ Stroud and Jordan Love using under center play action passes in the wild card round, 10 of 12 for 300 yards and four touchdowns. What was a common criticism most mm. people had about the Panthers' offense this past season? They were they, they weren't even shotgun Walker. They were in the pistol. They were not under center at all. You're right, and they weren't running a ton of play action. Thomas Brown hops back on in the second time, and you see him a little more under center, running a little more play action. Probably not as much as we would like to see, but you're seeing these young QBs who are good in their own right, but also play in a scheme. That compliments them. That compliments any young QB. That compliments any offense. And we didn't have any of that helping that side of the ball. It also just shows you just how different, as much as the NFL copies and adopts from the college game, like these guys are never under center in college. But you go to the next level, it makes a big difference. Because Olsen, that was three quarters of his analysis on the Cowboys during Sunday's game, Right, was that Dak was never under center and it just changes everything. And so I, I, I think these new offensive minds, they get so caught up and we got to be in the shotgun to be creative where you can be just as creative, if not more creative, when you put your quarterback under center. Well, I think for one, two, there's a few factors as well because when you get the quarterback under the center, you're able to manipulate the defense more. I mean, if I'm back there all the time, it's pretty declarative, and it's not saying that I'm going to pass all the time, but I know pretty much like the fakes and things of that nature, especially if you're not going to run RPO. That's the thing with the Panthers. If you're not going to run, if Bryce Young's not an RPO threat, then I'm not going to – that that shotgun isn't going to hide much from me, whereas if he gets under center – and then they start running the ball good on me, and then he turns his back to the defense. Right. Well, I don't always know if he's sticking the ball in the gutter, that running back and pulling it out and throwing it downfield. So that's why I think Olsen's saying that too, man, because it helps you manipulate the defense more when you play from under center. That was the conversation on NFL Live midseason. It's turning your back to the defense. Mm-hmm. That's what tricks them way more so because you can have play action passes out of the pistol where you fake the handoff, stick it in the gut, but then pull it back out in order to throw, that might be happening. But the defense gets to see it all happen in front of them. They can see the football the entire time. Whereas if the quarterback is under center, you turn your back, fake the handoff. Now you can't see the football the entire time, especially on the end, like Aaron Rodgers is always good at this. Peyton Manning was always really good at this. They found art to it. Right. You would even after the fake handoff, fake maybe like, not even half a second, like a split second. And 
it, it's everything's happening so fast in the NFL. That little bit means you got a receiver that was able to get two yards separation because of that. Right. Or something equivalent to an open wide receiver. And the fact that they weren't doing it enough, because even the RPO conversation that we had, I know Frank Wright got accused of not running it enough, but he was running it at about a mid-level compared to every other NFL team. I think he was somewhere in like the 16, 14 range, something like that. But it's not with his back turned. And so the defense gets to see everything on top of a bad offensive line. Now they know, oh, that running back ain't got the football. Oh, I'm just going to beat Icky one-on-one. You want to run this stunt and immediately get to the quarterback? Okay, cool. Because we saw that you didn't give the football to the running back. Now all we have to do is run a stunt, and history tells us we're going to sack Bryce Young or we're going to force a pressure. Tell me how Bryce had any hope at all. I He needs to play better. Okay, like if, if you're not hearing us and you just say, well, he needs to play better. All right, fine. But hear us. He needs help. He needs help from coaching. He needs help from the offensive line. And he needs help from the wide receivers. We have one more segment to go in the 12 o'clock hour. Let's switch sports. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets. They had a players only meeting. They'll play the New Orleans Pelicans tomorrow night. Do they have a shot? And what was the players only meeting consisting of? We can talk about that coming up next. And Wes might get his answer on whether they were throwing chairs in there and getting hostile. It's Sports Radio <laughs> 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker back at it. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. A couple things to remind the good listeners of Wesson Walker of. One, we have Roger Sherman, formerly of The Ringer, went on the college football trip around the country, went to 62 total games in 2023-2024. Awesome stuff. And was a part of the Road Raj experiment. He is the one that uh, created that. I don't know if there's a podcast. I know there's a Patreon account. So Roger Sherman going all across the country uh, to watch a ton of different college football games. He joins us at 1.20 to talk about his trip. Lauren Brownlow will help us out at 2 o'clock talking some ACC hoops. And here's the other thing I want people to remember. Please remind me on the text line to give away Hornets tickets at the end of this segment. Because we're going to talk about the Hornets. Don't do it yet. I'll have you call in at the end of the segment. And we'll do like third, maybe we'll go fifth caller this time. Something like that. But a little bit later on. Let's and do then, caller number eight in honor of the amount of wins they have. Okay. Or what about caller 27 or 30 <laughs> because of the amount of losses they have? Okay, yeah, 8 and 29. Don't do that to me. Yeah, we'll do that if you want to. We can get real. You went seven the other day when we gave away tickets. <laughs> do you just pick the seventh caller 
like because we only have what how many lines that open up each Six. time yeah that's so many so did you <laughs> why would you pick one more number than the amount of lines that we have open? I don't know. I mean, I hear Michael K. Whenever they give away tickets, he'll do like caller number like ninety five. But they also have how many producers working on that show? One. Well, they have more than that. Okay, they have two, but still, like caller number ninety five is just a you know egregious number. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'll make it interesting. We'll do caller number seven. Uh, fill my crevice with Will Levis. That's an actual name on the text line. I kind of regret saying it. Wow. Said you should probably do first caller because you may not get many more than that. Now nah, people will want to go to this game because they'll get to see Wimby on yep. Friday night. So this will be this upcoming Friday against the Spurs, January nineteenth. That will be the game that these tickets will uh, will go to and so we'll give those a little bit um give those away at the end of the segment. But yeah, we can have all of the the jokes hurled their way here west because they keep losing. The last win they had was against Sacramento, 111 to 104 on the road on that West Coast road trip. They've lost 5 straight since then. Before that, how many did they lose? Like 11 or 12 before or right after that win against the uh, Toronto Raptors. They're getting a little healthier. P.J. Washington back in the lineup. LaMelo Ball, this will be his third game back from the ankle injury. Don't know about Brandon Miller and whether he'll return tomorrow night in their game against the New Orleans Pelicans. But Steve Clifford did say it's not a serious, serious injury. And so you hope to have him back. Gordon Hayward is at least participating in warmups. He's shooting around, but don't exactly know when he's going to be back. It does feel like this is as close to normal, healthy as the Hornets have been in quite some time. Hope, hopefully, we can get some of these guys back. They had a players-only meeting, West. It does feel like we're at peak apathy with this team right now. So many people are just so checked out because this season has gone so horribly wrong. Second straight year where injuries have been terrible. Nathan Minsa, a guy I didn't expect to record one minute. I'm not kidding. I, I didn't expect him to record any time whatsoever this year. Thought he'd spend the entire time in Greensboro. But Nathan Mensah is out here playing 15 to 20 minutes a game because Mark Williams is hurt. Don't know when he's coming back with that lower back contusion. And Nick Richards, if he needs a break, then you have to go to somebody that is at least center height. So it's been terrible to watch and you feel bad for everybody involved, but also it's just continued losing. I understand why the fans are finding it harder and harder to get intrigued every single game. Yeah, because it's, it's watch, rinse, repeat. And the thing is, too, when you get just beat down by some of the league's worst teams, that makes it even worse because, uh, you know, it's one thing to lose games, but fans want to at least see you competing. They want to see you selling out. But when you're losing to the San Antonio Spurs, arguably the worst team in basketball, 135 to 99, and then you follow that up with more blowouts. I mean, Sacramento blew you out. And that's the thing when it really gets to levels where you just really start to question what's going on. It's one thing if you've got injuries and you're losing, but you're competing. And every now and again, you might get uh, a lopsided loss. But with the Hornets, the the lopsided losses are just coming one after the other. And you, you start to question uh, character. You start to question uh, how much do they care. There are a lot of things that may not and, and should not be in question that do become uh, in question. And so with these player meetings are always meant to clear the air and guys get out what they need to say, even if it gets contentious and it's supposed to unite everybody and get everybody back focused. But the thing is, it's like, you know, when you look at the Charlotte Hornets and this roster is comprised, it's like, all right, so – what are the leaders going to say? Because I just don't feel like we have that type of team. We get the same messages from all the guys at the top all of the time. Well, you know, 
we need to get better and we need to to play defense better and they 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 all say the same things but it's like you know when are guys really going to get fed up when is somebody going to have a tantrum after a game and go off it's like the Hornets are the only team in the NBA to have two players ranked in the top 10 league wide in fourth quarter scoring uh with Melo and uh Terry but they're one of two teams that have three players that average 20 points per game. And, uh, you know, the the Miami Heat have that, but it's the Hornets when you talk about Miles, Melo, and Terry. So you've got three guys who can who can get you buckets, but it's like how is the structure of this meeting going to go? Because the guys at the top, you know, they need to be told that the effort needs to be better on defense. There needs to be more leadership at the top, but then the guys at the bottom aren't providing enough support for the guys at the top. So it's like – Who's going to talk? What's well, going to be said in this type of players only meeting? Well, I mean, I look, I, and I know you're you've you've often gone to the it needs to get contentious. I, I get it. I don't know if this players only meeting is going to do that when you got Mensa and Nick Smith Jr. Who's played 40 games and some of these guys that are like going to be staring at Terry Rozier. Like, OK. Yeah. So then we'll it's like, harder. what's the point? Well, no, but but it, it's right. Some of this is this is what the team is right now. With the injuries, they're so limited that they don't have an NBA rotation. And so the, the players only meeting, to me, what that might really entail is, hey, once we get healthy, this is the type of example we need to set in the second half. Because I don't know. Well, and No, I'm not no, upset no, with you. you I would like, just be upset with that messaging if that's what it is. Because we hear players only meetings all the time. And not to saying that just because you get mad at each other that that means it's going to work. But we hear about how guys air out grievances. It gets testy because guys are saying stuff. You're talking to superstars here and telling them stuff they don't want to hear because they're told yes all the time. So when you get a guy that's the sixth, seventh guy off the bench telling you, hey, Melo, you could get more effort on defense, this, that, and the third. That will drive our team if you set the tone on defense. If you come out and you're getting after guys, that's going to make us all want to do that yeah. more. He might not want to hear that. So that, that's, I guess that's where my confusion comes in. Like, are you asking who? To lead the mess, to to lead the meeting. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, like, who's saying what to who? Because I'm like, you got the guys at the top who need to be told that they're not playing defense and they're not setting the tone for the rest of the team because the team is going to take the identity of the superstars. And if the superstars are coming out and they are hard-nosed, hardcore guys, the rest of the guys are going to follow suit more than likely. But if they're not doing that, they're not necessarily going to listen to the guys under them who are telling them that they should do that, if that I, makes I, sense. I mean, I guess the, the the only thing I would say is LaMelo hasn't played for because of the injury. He hadn't played since late it's November true, until the last does, couple games. The defense is still not there. Oh, Leadership no, the defense, the defense is a real issue for LaMelo. Yeah. But LaMelo also was having the best stretch of his NBA career when he was playing after the Dallas Mavericks fourth quarter that springboards him into crazy numbers. Terry Rozier, he was just mentioned on the Zach Lowe podcast for being a down-the-list but all-star mention for having some very good numbers. And mm-hmm. so those guys, like, you know, we can – Get mad at them. I get it. Defensively, they need to play better all across the board. But there's nobody healthy enough. And those guys are playing well offensively when they're out there. Like, I guess defensively, what do we expect? They're just limited. But even when they do play together, you're not getting those things that, that you need from them. They're not They're not a tough, hard nose. Like I mean, their well, own coach called them soft. Well, okay. But yes, like that's. So I guess that's the problem, I guess. Like, I really need to know is if there's anything that can fix itself because I don't think yelling yeah. and fighting will. 
I just don't. Well, and now, I mean, if you're on team and you're getting a dynamic and guys are really opening up and telling guys what they think and what they feel, it can change some mentality in there. Cause yeah, but this has been the get, same group for five years. I get it. This is who they are. Maybe because this is the first I've ever heard of them having a team-only meeting. Maybe this is Maybe this is the time. Maybe this is... When it could potentially change, right when it's about to change, all this off season anyway, it like could. that's about to happen. Yeah, this is true too. Yeah, but yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Be. But I'm just like guys, you know. That I just think that this is the first I'm hearing of it. Maybe some things that guys need to hear that they haven't heard from their peers. So we'll get into maybe some more Hornet yeah, stuff throughout the week because Zach Lowe mentioned some of the core that you need to keep. Everybody else should be on the chopping block or, you know, uh, trade market, figuring out how you move on from. But is there anything else this team can do besides the players only meeting and what else can happen <laughs> out there on the court? It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Campus Corner coming up next. Kona.